I'd like to welcome everyone today to our online service. We're still unable to meet as a church family on site. So I welcome all of you watching online today. While we're still in this uh, lockdown of the pandemic. In this time of pandemic, we need a firm foundation. Let's be honest, a lot of people are really unsure right now about the future, about what uh, is about to happen. And in this pandemic, we need a firm foundation. Today's message is specifically to reveal a firm foundation. It's the difference between standing on a rock or standing on shifting sand that's moving under your feet. Now, I'm going to admit in advance today that this will be one of the most unusual sermons I have ever preached, at least from my perspective. So I begin, uh, I'm going to set it up. This will be a very unusual, non-typical sermon for me. So I begin with a question that's not unusual. Do you believe the Bible to be absolute truth? A rock that you can stand upon of absolute truth that does not move, that does not shift, that does not move based upon circumstances or times or generations. I believe what I hold in my hand is the only physical source of absolute truth on this planet. A rock in which we can stand on, especially in a time of pandemic. Is there any real physical evidence that the Bible is truth? Or are we left by God to just have blind faith? Can't see anything, faith. Is there any physical evidence? I've often told people that I can prove the Bible is true with one word. I, I, I like to do that as a conversation starter. I can prove the Bible is true with one word, Israel. What are the mathematical odds of a nation of people hated and dispersed all over the world that would be regathered after a period of 2,000 years of absence, form a nation? What's the mathematical probability of that? Not only form a nation, but become a world power, just like the Bible said it was going to happen. But that's not my physical evidence truth today. That's not what I'm going to give you today that proves there is a rock that you can stand on that doesn't move. I want to talk about a prophecy in the book of Daniel. Written more than 500 years before the time of Christ. Daniel chapter 9 is one of the few places in the scripture. Listen carefully because this is going to set up everything today. Daniel chapter 9 is one of the few places in the scripture where God ties himself down to a specific and measurable countdown. In fact, I've titled today's message, The Countdown. In Daniel chapter 9, God is going to reveal a 490-year countdown that will reveal the first coming of Jesus Christ. And today I'd like to review that countdown and show you why it proves the Bible is trustworthy and true and it is a rock that you can stand upon that is never going to move out from under your feet. And I want to say this, with the help of a book, I did a study 
The book, the author of the book was Ray Steadman. The book was On the Way to the Future. And with the help of Ray Steadman's book, I have drafted today's message to show you there is a rock that does not move and prove the power of the scripture by revealing the countdown. This countdown is real. This countdown is physical. And it should encourage all of us today to trust the authority of the Holy Scriptures as God-breathed absolute truth, unstoppable absolute truth. We need to come to the place, church, listen to me. We need to come to the place as a church where we no longer doubt the Bible, where we live under the authority of the Holy Scriptures. This is what Jesus reveals about himself. Let me start here to kind of lay the, the, set up the stage. Jesus reveals himself to his disciples after the resurrection. So he's, he's risen from the, the grave and he specifically announces the truth about the authority of the scriptures after the resurrection. Why? Because they're going to be afraid of what's coming. They don't know the future. And Jesus has, they've, they've murdered Jesus on the cross. At least that's what it looks like to them. And, and they put him in a grave and, and he's going to ascend to the right hand of the father. And they're going to need something to stand on that doesn't move. And Jesus is going to show them what that means, what it's going to look like. So let's go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 38. And I want to tell you, this scene begins with fear and doubt. Anybody got any of that going on right now during the pandemic? Then you need a rock to stand upon. The scene opens, resurrected Jesus is going to address their fear, and he's going to address their doubts. Verse 38, why are you frightened? See the fear? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands. He showed them his feet. And still they stood there in disbelief. Filled with joy and wonder. And then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Why were they frightened? Think about it for a moment. Why were they frightened? You see, this had been written down and announced along in advance. This event that they've just lived through and they're living in, all of this had been ad advanced, written down in advance. It had been announced. It was written. Were their heart, why were their hearts filled with doubt? The physical evidence of God's Word was overwhelming in that moment. The physical evidence of God's plan was overwhelming. He had told them, Jesus had told them, the Son of Man must go into Jerusalem. He will be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. He will be crucified, buried, and on the third day he's going to rise again. They knew it in advance. The rock had been laid down. You can stand on this rock. It doesn't move. Physical evidence, not just spiritual ideology, physical evidence. Jesus says, physical hands. 
Look at my hands. They're physical. Look at my feet. They're physical. I'm not a ghost. This is real truth. Jesus even asked for something to eat to prove his physical reality, not just a spiritual ideology. And then Jesus connects the dots for them. Listen, Jesus connects the dots for them in that scene because why? Because they're afraid and they have, their minds are filled with doubt. And he's connecting the dots for us today in the next verse. This next verse explains everything about the power of the Bible. Absolute truth. A rock that you can stand upon that doesn't move. Let's go to verse 44. And then he said, when I was with you before. Now he's talking about before the cross, before the crucifixion. When I was with you before, I told you. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. It has to happen. What? Everything written has to happen. Do you see it? In the middle of their fear, in the middle of their doubts, they needed something to stand on that wouldn't move. And what does he give them? Physical evidence. Everything written is true. It's all going to happen exactly as it is written. And then Jesus does something that only he can do. He opened their minds to see it, to see the word of God for what it is. Absolute truth. It is written by God. It's unstoppable. It's a rock you can stand on. Verse 45. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This verse is so powerful to me because this is when God encounters man in a supernatural way. He, open, he does something. He gives them the ability to see and understand what normal people cannot see and normal people cannot understand. And that becomes the rock in which they stand on the rest of their lives. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said, it is written. It was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. What message? There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit. Something's going to happen. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with this power from heaven. Jesus opened their minds to understand. Understand what? It is written. Long ago it was written. And because it was written, they had lived through the written words realization. They had lived and experienced the manifestation of the living Word of God. The Son of Man will enter Jerusalem. He will be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. He will be crucified, buried, and on the third day he'll rise. It is written. So why would you be afraid and why would your hearts be filled with doubt if you knew in advance that it was written? This message, it is also written that this message, this gospel, 
looking into the future, will be preached to all the nations in the authority of the Holy Spirit, beginning in Jerusalem. What is this message that will go forth that you and I know about today? What is this message that Jesus announced about future generations throughout the whole world? There will be a message. It will be preached. And the message is there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Jesus is going to ascend to the Father, and the Holy Spirit will come, but the Word will absolutely be accomplished. Why? Because it is written. The Word will absolutely be accomplished. Now, that leads me right now to Daniel chapter 9. And I can say in advance, Daniel chapter 9, it is written. The countdown is written. A 490-year countdown is written. Do you know about the countdown? One of my frustrations growing up in the church is this. When I, when I heard sermons or went to classes on the book of Daniel, all I ever heard was uh, Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nobody ever told me about the rest of the book of Daniel. Do you know about the countdown? It was written down some 2,500 years ago for us today. 2,500 years ago. Could it still have relevance? Can it have any power today in a pandemic while you're afraid, while your heart is filled with doubts? Would today's writing from 2,500 years ago, Daniel, give you a rock to stand upon? It is written. I pray that God will open our minds to understand the scriptures today. We need not be afraid in these uncertain times. We need not to live in doubt of God's Word in these uncertain times. Daniel chapter 9 was written more than 500 years before the birth of Christ. But it gives incredible details of the first coming and an exact countdown of His arrival. Daniel writes this prophecy while he is in exile in Babylon. He's been captured by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They've been taken off to a foreign land as prisoners. He was a slave when Jerusalem fell, and he never, we don't know that he ever had a chance to return to Israel. While he was in exile, God revealed the exact time in which the coming Messiah, listen carefully, while Daniel is in exile in Babylon, God reveals to Daniel the exact time in which the coming Messiah would present himself to the Jewish people. God was going to give through Daniel to the world a countdown. It is written. How could an exiled people even imagine this prophecy? You talk about living in troubled times. They lived in troubled times. Their nation had fallen. They were slaves carried off to a foreign land that spoke a foreign language. They had, they had no imagination that they'd ever be able to go home or what life was ever going to be like again. What would be their normal? Their nation had fallen. The Jerusalem temple had been destroyed. And how could they ever recover from this? It is written. 
Do you remember how I said I could prove the Bible to be true with one word, Israel? Daniel, like all the Jews, longed for Jerusalem. He wanted to go home. Daniel's prayers were constantly about Jerusalem. Daniel chapter 9 begins with Daniel acknowledging what? The authority of Scripture. Listen carefully. Daniel 9 begins with Daniel's acknowledgement of the authority of Scripture as he prophesied, as, as the Scripture was prophesied by Jeremiah, one prophet to another prophet. Daniel acknowledges the authority of Jeremiah's prophecy that has now been written, which is absolute truth, a rock you can stand upon. So Daniel, a prophet, is going to talk about another prophet named Jeremiah. Daniel 9 verse 1. It was the first year of the reign of King Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word. Listen carefully. I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord. As revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Daniel read the word of the Lord. Where did he get the word of the Lord? He got it from another prophet named Jeremiah who had written it down. And Daniel's reading it. And because it was written down the word of the Lord, it's a rock you can stand on. Daniel read this prophecy of Jeremiah and notice something. He accepted it as absolute truth. What is the absolute truth? Seventy years, Jerusalem will lie in ruins. There will be a 70-year captivity. No need to fight against it. Why? It's unstoppable. Why? Because it is written. Seventy years, Jerusalem will lie desolate. It is written. There's no reason to fight against something that is written. It's going to happen. Everything written is going to happen. Daniel doesn't make excuses regarding the sin that has brought this nation into exile. Daniel doesn't blame it on everyone else. No, Daniel prays a prayer of confession and he prays a prayer of repentance in light of the word of God through Jeremiah. Let's go to verse 10. We have not obeyed the Lord, our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. The servants, the prophets, had written down the instructions of God. They're the rock you're supposed to be standing on. Daniel's confessing, we didn't do it. Even though it was written, all Israel has disobeyed your instructions and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written, here we, they are written, the solemn curses, the solemn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have now been poured down on us because of our sin. You have kept your word. It is written. You have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as it was written, as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written. You see all the written, written, written? 
Daniel understands because it has been announced by God through the prophets. It is written in the Holy Scriptures. It's unstoppable. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. Yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God, but turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us a disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. Obey what? His word. It is written. So Daniel prays. If you know anything about Daniel, and Daniel prays, and Daniel prays, and Daniel prays. Go to verse 17. Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city Jerusalem that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. Oh, my God, for your people and your city, bear your name. Daniel is not praying against the 70-year exile. Anybody notice this? Daniel, in this prayer, he's not praying against 70-year exile. Why? Because it is written. It is unstoppable. It is announced. You're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. Jerusalem is going to lie desolate for 70 years. He's praying for mercy upon the people and their return to Jerusalem when the 70 years is over. And while Daniel was praying, something happened. Here's, here's where we're going. And while Daniel was praying, something happened. Something so big that the whole world will be affected by this coming event. A countdown of God is going to be, re be revealed to Daniel in advance and it will be written down. A countdown from God to Daniel, it will be written. It will be unstoppable. Verse 20, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. And as I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in an earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you, pay attention, I have give, come to give you, this angel has come in swift flight from God's throne to Daniel's presence and says, Daniel, I have come to give you insight. I have come to give you understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I am here to tell you what it was. For you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. God is going to open Daniel's mind to understand the scripture. Do you remember what Jesus did after the resurrection? He looks at his disciples and he says, 
Everything written about me had to happen. And he opens their minds to understand the scripture. Gabriel is going to do to Daniel a similar event. He's going to give him wisdom and understanding. He's going to open his mind to understand the scripture. And number one, and number two, he's going to create a new scripture, a new message of God that Daniel will write down so that you and I in future generations will see and know the scriptures and have a rock to stand on he's going to write down a countdown Gabriel said these words to Daniel that day some 500 years before the birth of Jesus listen carefully here's what the Gabriel said listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision It is in this scene that God reveals a countdown with such incredible detail that no reasonable person will be able to doubt the authority of Scripture. No reasonable person today should be able to doubt or be afraid that what is written is truth. Unstoppable, absolute truth. A rock that you can stand on in the times of trouble. Listen very carefully to the countdown of God. Verse 24, it is written, A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people. Now this is God's message to Daniel brought by an angel in swift flight. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people, Israel. And the holy city, Jerusalem, to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Did you get all that? Now, I'm going to tell you in advance, you're going to need to really pay attention Now, in fact, I want to pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would open our minds to understand this scripture, that you would do a supernatural work in us, all of us who will hear this message today, and we will understand this countdown in Jesus' name. Amen. First, Gabriel reveals to Daniel that God has established a specific period of time for the Jewish people in Jerusalem, 70 sets of seven, 70 times seven, 490 years. This announcement of God is specific to the Jews. Did you notice? It is specific to your people and to the holy city. God clarifies it has specific application to the Jewish people and Jerusalem. This 490 years is clearly limited to a period of time when the people of Israel will possess, listen carefully, will possess and occupy the holy city of Jerusalem. In other words, this prophecy has no effect if the Jews don't occupy Jerusalem. For that was the meaning of the vision. For example, this prophecy could not apply to the Jews after Jerusalem fell in 70 AD up till they took possession again in 1967 because the Jews didn't occupy Jerusalem after 70 AD. 
The timetable was established by God. The countdown would begin, this 490-year countdown would begin with a certain event. Gabriel reveals six specific goals that God will accomplish during this prophetic 490-year countdown. In fact, this is one of the main points of the vision. Gabriel is going to reveal six specific things that are going to take place inside this 490 years in the countdown. The first three goals have to do with God's plan of redemption. Now, I've got to go through them quickly, so pay close attention. The first three goals deal with God's plan of redemption. Number one, to finish or put an end to Israel's rebellion. Rebellion against what? The Word of God. Number two, to put an end to sin. At the end of the 490 years, they're going to put an end to the rebellion and put an end to sin. How? I'll show you in a minute. And to atone for the wickedness, to pay off the wickedness. Notice that all three of these God-revealed goals inside 490 years have to do with the issue of sin. Pay close attention here. All three of these goals were perfectly met, how? By the first coming of Christ. Stay with me. I'm going to put it all together. The next three God-revealed goals deal with the future hope of all mankind. Not just the Jews. The next three are the future hope of all mankind. Number one, to bring everlasting righteousness. All of this is inside of verse 24. To bring an end, excuse me, to bring everlasting righteousness. Number two, to confirm the prophetic vision. To seal up completely the vision of prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. Why does it specifically mean, what does it specifically mean to bring everlasting righteousness? How is this going to be fulfilled at the end of this 490-year countdown? This specifically refers to the coming kingdom of God. Jesus' return as king. What you and I pray in the Lord's prayer. How in the world could Daniel's vision be a revelation of of an idea of God that's going to bring everlasting righteousness? What do you and I pray when we today pray the Lord's Prayer? We pray for a kingdom to come. And a king to come. What about to confirm a prophetic vision? To complete or fulfill this prophetic vision of Daniel? And this means that all of these six prophetic announcements must be fulfilled inside this 490 years. This is when it really gets interesting. The final and ultimate goal of these six prophetic announcements was what? What's the final and ultimate goal? Because they're all going somewhere to do something. Is to anoint the most holy place. This is a specific reference to the temple in Jerusalem. There must be a temple in Jerusalem for this 490-year prophecy to be true and to be fulfilled. At the end of this 490-year prophecy, the problem of human sin would be solved. 
Did you hear me? At the end of this 490-year prophecy, this countdown, the problem of human sin from God's perspective would be solved. And a full and complete plan of human salvation would be implemented by God, all fulfilled by Jesus' first coming and the cross of Calvary. But there's one more set of dates inside this announcement from Gabriel. Verse 25. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven. Forty-nine. Plus, plus. And then you got to add another set. Sixty-two sets of seven. That's 434. Will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler the anointed one comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. Gabriel is revealing a starting point to the countdown of 490 years. Did you, did you see it? It is written. When will the 490 years start? What, what will be the beginning that begins the countdown? Seven sets of seven or 49 years. 62 sets of 7 are 434 years. Now, if you're good at math, you'll come up with not 490, you'll come up with 483 when you add those together. So where is the starting point in all of this 490-year countdown? And where does the 49 and the 434 fit? I can see some of you scratching your heads and saying, I'm going to have to get a calculator to stay up. Remember, Daniel is in exile in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem, exile, and Jerusalem is in ruins. When Daniel receives this prophetic vision, he's not in Israel. He's not in Jerusalem. Jerusalem has fallen. They're in the middle of a 70-year exile. When will the countdown begin? The Old Testament book of Ezra and Nehemiah both record decrees from the then Persian king for the Jerusalem temple to be rebuilt. Now, this will be after their 70-year exile. According to Nehemiah chapter 2, the decree to rebuild Jerusalem was issued in the 20th year of the reign of Artaxerxes. We know that to be the year, listen to me, 445 B.C. This decree from the Persian king Artaxerxes in 445 B.C. becomes the starting point of the 490-year countdown. It is written. But what about the seven sets of seven or the 49 years? During that 49 years after 445 B.C. decree, the city of Jerusalem was rebuilt with the authority and the backing financial backing of this Persian king. But what about the 62 sets of seven? What about the 434 years? Add 49 to 434 and you get 483. What happens after the 483 years, after the 483 years from the Persian king's decree to rebuild Jerusalem? Let's go to verse 25. Now listen and understand. Because it's all leading up to something. It's not just about a set of dates. 
It's about a set of dates that are so exactly announced in advance that you and I can know that when it is written, it is unstoppable. It is unchangeable. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem. That would be the Persian king's order. Until what? Until what? 483 years until what? A ruler, the anointed one, comes. 483 years. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. 483 years after the decree, a ruler, the anointed one comes. Do I have to tell anybody today who the anointed one is? His name is Jesus. Exactly 483 years after the decree to rebuild Jerusalem was issued by the Persian king, Messiah would come and appear to the people of Israel. 483 years to the exact month. Yes, to the exact month. Do you know what happened in Jerusalem on the 483rd year anniversary of the Persian king's decree to rebuild Jerusalem. More than 500 years after Gabriel's revelation to Daniel. Can anybody guess? Maybe you've studied it. Maybe this is the first time anybody has ever told you. I told you this would be a very unusual sermon even for me. Do you know what happened on the 483rd anniversary of the Persian king's decree to rebuild Jerusalem as prophesied by Daniel more than 500 years in advance? Palm Sunday. It's called Nisan in the Jewish calendar. We call it April. A.D. 32. 483 years to the month. If you're curious how we come up with these details, you can send me an email and I'll give you the information from the book that I got all of this research from. When Jesus walked in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, we celebrated just a few weeks ago, he was fulfilling the 483-year countdown of God. Now listen and understand. What was it was written? It's a rock you can stand upon. And what was written? Now listen and understand. This is Gabriel to Daniel. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Did the people of Israel see it? Did they see Jesus on that Palm Sunday? As the 483-year countdown grand finale? No. In fact, this is what Jesus said on that day. Luke 19, verse 41. But as they came closer to Jerusalem and Jesus saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Why is he weeping? Jesus is entering the city. He is the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy. A 483-year countdown to the coming of the anointed one where he would present himself to Israel as Messiah. And he's crying. 
He's weeping. Because even though it was written, they did not understand. They didn't get it. They couldn't see it. Verse 42, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. But now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies, what he's going to do, he's going to, he's going to, Jesus is going to prophesy the destruction of Jerusalem. They've just rebuilt it. It's glorious in the time of Christ. He's going to prophesy an event that will come also will prophesy by Daniel. Verse 43, before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls. It'll happen in 70 AD. And encircle you and close in on you from every side. And they will crush you into the ground and your children with you. And your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. You did not understand the scriptures. In advance, it was written. They couldn't see. Their eyes weren't open to understand the scriptures. Their eyes couldn't see the countdown. Many cried out Hosanna on Sunday, but their cry on Friday was what? Crucify him! So I'm going to ask everyone hearing this message today, can you see today? Can you see the power of the Bible? It is written. It is all written down. Daniel had kept a perfect record, and the people in that day had a copy of Daniel's record. Do you understand? Daniel had written it down. The scribes and the priests had preserved it. They had a perfect record of this countdown, and yet they could not see Messiah when he came even though it was written. Can you see it today? It's all been written down, and you have a copy. I have a copy. What do you do with this copy? Some of you who are really good with math are going to say, hey, hey, preacher, that's only 483 years, and you said the prophecy was 490 years. I did. So that's seven years different. Where did the other seven go? Well, I'm glad you asked. There are two more verses in Daniel's prophecy, and they reveal the final seven years. And you and I ought to understand very clearly about these final seven. Daniel 9, 26. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed. You know what that is, right? The cross. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood and war, and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. This is Daniel, 500, more than 500 years before Jesus comes. Verse 27, a ruler. Do you know about him? The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. Here's the last seven. A ruler will come and he'll make a treaty with the people for a set of 
for one set of seven, but after half of this time, after three and a half years, he will put an end to the sacrifices and the offerings, which will have been in Jerusalem. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. After 434 years, 434 years after the temple is rebuilt, the anointed one will be killed. That's the cross of Christ prophesied by Daniel. It is written. Appearing to have accomplished nothing. The Jews didn't believe he was their Messiah. Appearing to have accomplished nothing. A ruler will now arise, prophesied by Daniel. The Roman ruler named Titus, and he destroyed the temple that had been rebuilt during this prophetic countdown. And when Titus comes in 70 AD, it's all gone. He destroys the temple. He destroys the city. He tears down the walls. It's all gone. It all looks like it accomplished nothing. In 70 AD, the Jews, they were all gone. The temple, it's gone. And listen, ultimately, Jesus is dead. Think about it. Appearing to have accomplished nothing. The temple was rebuilt. Jerusalem was rebuilt under the order of the Persian king. Almost looks supernatural. And now the temple's gone. The city's gone. The Jews are gone. And Jesus is dead. Appearing to have accomplished nothing. All prophesied in advance more than 500 years before it happened. If it accomplished nothing, why are we talking about this today? And why are there churches all over the earth today if it accomplished nothing? Because you know that it accomplished exactly everything. But what about the final seven years? It is written, I believe we now live in a wait-a-minute moment of God called the church age. Listen carefully, and I'll summarize and wrap this up today. I believe we live in God's wait-a-minute moment in the time of the church between the day of Pentecost and the day where he will call his bride home in the rapture. The time between the 483 and the final seven, which will be the seven-year tribulation. It's been some 2,000 years now, and the church is still here. The church is still waiting. There was about 2,000 years between Adam and Abraham. Do you know that's recorded in the Scripture? And about 2,000 years between Abraham and Jesus. Do you know that's written in the genealogies? And it's been about 2,000 years from Jesus to today. Does anyone see a plan here? Can anyone see a countdown here today? It is written. The Gospel of Matthew opens with a specific genealogical record from Abraham to Jesus. It is written. I want to read verse 17, Matthew chapter 1. All those listed above include, and it's a specific genealogy from Abraham to Jesus. And listen to what he says. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 generations from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Can anybody see a countdown? 
14, 14, 14. 2,000, 2,000, 2,000. I believe the final set in the 490-year countdown, the final seven in the 490-year countdown is coming soon. And this is how Jesus describes those seven years. This is how Jesus describes this seven years at the end that complete the 490. And by the way, if you ever wanted to know about the authority of the Scripture, Jesus quotes the prophecy of Daniel. 500 years before Jesus, Daniel writes a prophecy, and now Jesus quotes it in the Gospel of Mark. Mark 13, 14. The day is coming, Jesus said. When you will see the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing where it should not be, reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of the roof must not go down into the house or pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get his coat. How terrible it'll be for pregnant women or for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter. For there will be greater anguish in those days than in any time, than in any time since God created the world. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the Lord shortens that time of calamity, not a single person will survive. But for the sake of his chosen ones, he has shortened those days. But they will be seven years. I want to say something. I want everybody to listen carefully to what I'm about to say. If you believed any part of this message today, you would fall on your face before God in repentance. Yes, you would. You see, I still believe the final seven will begin when the church leaves. That's our countdown moment. Are you ready for this countdown moment of God. You see, God has offered the free gift of salvation to the nations of the earth, the Gentiles. For 2,000 years, God has done something supernatural, mercy and grace to the Gentile world for 2,000 years. We call it the church age. He has offered this marvelous gift of salvation. But that countdown is coming to an end. One last scripture one last Gentile. One last Gentile. And I'm going to tell you, it is written. There will be one last Gentile in the story. In Romans 11:25, it is written. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you Gentile church people living in this 2,000 years, so that you'll not feel proud about yourself, church people. For some of the people of Israel have had hard hearts, but this will last. What? They can't see. It's written, and they can't see it. They're behind a veil. It's a mystery I don't understand. They have eyes that cannot see. They have ears that cannot hear. Their hearts are so hardened, they cannot understand. They're looking for the Messiah, but they can't see him. And I see Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem. 
Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the countdown ends. Only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved, as the Scriptures say. And again, the authority of Scripture. And the Scriptures say the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem, and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them, that I will take away their sins. Do you believe the Bible is absolute truth today? Do you believe this is the rock you can stand on, whether you're in exile in Babylon or whether you're in a pandemic in Kentucky? Do you believe this rock, it is written, is God's Word? I did all of this today, and I told you this is kind of unusual for me. I did all of this today in the midst of a worldwide pandemic to reveal the authority and the power of the Bible. That's my goal. All of this is to show you there's physical evidence of the authority and the power of God's Word. It's not just blind faith. In Christ, listen to me, in Christ, I'm going to hold this up. In Christ, you do not have to be afraid today. The number one um, thing I'm getting from people in the church and out of the church right now, communicating with me personally, the number one thing I'm getting is people are afraid. In Christ, you don't have to be afraid. In Christ, you don't have to have doubts about the future. Even when the future seems to be in doubt, you don't have to have doubts. Why? Because we stand upon a rock. It is written. The countdown of Daniel proves that everything written in the Holy Scriptures is going to happen. And yes, I believe the final seven-year countdown begins with the departure of the church and the revealing of the Antichrist. Why? Because it is written. 2 Thessalonians 2.1. This will be our last Scripture today. Now, dear brothers and sisters... Paul's writing to the church. He's writing to me and he's writing to you. Dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, don't be fooled by what they say. For that day, what day? There's going to be a loud shout and a voice of the archangel and the trumpet blast and the dead in Christ are going to rise. And those of us who remain on the earth at that time, still breathing air at that time, we're going to rise to meet the Lord in the air. For that day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness. Here comes the Antichrist. Here comes the seven years. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings what? Destruction. The seven-year tribulation is the destruction. It is the wrath of God poured out full strength. He, the Antichrist, will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God. Jesus talked about it. Daniel talked about it. This abomination that causes desolation or desecration. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. And don't you remember 
that I told you about all this when I was with you. And you know what's holding him back. Do you know, church? It's written. You know what's holding him back. You know what's restraining the evil. You know what's restraining the darkness. The church. The light of the world is holding back the darkness. You know what's holding him back for he can be revealed only when his time comes. When the countdown is finished. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly and it will remain a secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way until the church is taken. And then the lawlessness. This man of lawlessness will be revealed to the world. But the Lord Jesus at the end of that tribulation will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the splendor of his coming. All of this is to show you that you have a choice to stand on sinking sand. You can live in fear and anxiety right now, or you can choose to stand on the rock, the promises of God. Everything that is written is yours by faith in Christ. So today, I know we don't, we're not in a public assembly, but I encourage you to call upon the name of the Lord, to, find, to fall on your face before God. Cry out, confess his name. Contact somebody here at the church. We'll be happy to meet with you individually. If people need to be baptized, we'll baptize you. Anything that the Holy Spirit puts upon your heart, you contact us. But do not let this day go by without calling upon the name of the Lord and standing upon this rock. He is our hope, our salvation, our refuge, our deliverer. In Jesus' name, and amen.